Welcome to Recovered 1440, Cabin Fever Sessions, Episode 5. Uh, this is a podcast for people who are struggling, who might not know that there is a solution out there. There are 1,440 minutes in a day, and that's how we recover, one day at a time. I'm very pleased to have someone who I admire today, um, a strong woman who is a good example for those who want to get well, who want to change their lives, who want to get sober and happy. So it gives me great pleasure to introduce Eloise. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm all right. Beautiful smiling face. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Who would have thought it? Testing, testing. Testing one, two, come in universe. Um, Yeah, Eloise is going to share her story, what it was like, what she did and and what her life's like now, and then we'll have a little chat afterwards. So with that, I'll hand it over to you. Cool. Hello, everyone. I'm Eloise. Uh, at the time of recording, I'm about 20 months sober mm. from um, drinking drugs, and I am a retired party girl, so to speak. <laughs> retired. Um, I grew up in Essex, and in Essex you start drinking as soon as you can swear, which is about 12. <laughs> <laughs> so it was Friday night, Saturday night, so I was a weekend drinker, what you would now call, I suppose, a binge drinker. Um, and as I got older, the binges got longer and the partying got less mm. and the depression and all the mental illness that comes with active addiction came and hit me tenfold. Um, so I, like I said, I started drinking really early and it was fun for a while. I went to university, I was the social second uni, so mm. I was always the one that had the party. Then when I came home from uni, I moved out pretty quickly because I wanted to do my own thing mm. and not have anyone watching me. And then my house became the party house, mm. the after party house, the pre-drinks house. Um, and it was just constant. And it was a constant putting a show on. Um, I, When I went to university, I trained in performing arts. Oh. So I've been a theatre kid since as long as I could talk. So acting and performing is second nature mm. to me. But the problem with addiction is that becomes your way of living Mm. and you actually don't know who you are Mm. and for a long time i was this person that i put out online on instagram and you know seeing friends and family i was always great i was always good everything was always positive Mm. you know i was thinking the other day actually because i i still love crystals but I was went through a stage where I'd go to like tarot card readings and I'd hold crystals and I'd wear like a positivity crystal necklace mm. and be out getting out my night every weekend, <laughs> like thinking that crystal was gonna save me. Like mm. absolutely crazy, that insanity. Um, but yeah, once I was kind of, I'd say 22, things started to really turn for the worst. Mm. And my partner at the time um, called me an alcoholic in an argument and this was after a night out where I had blacked out, couldn't remember anything, mm. which was all of my nights out really towards the end. Um, and in the long and short of it, we ended up breaking up because that was like the catalyst of like, how dare you oh, wow. call me an alcoholic? Oh, yeah. Like, I just like a drink. Mm. I just like a good time. You just can't keep up. Um, and then I was single, back living at my mum's, didn't have to pay my mortgage anymore so I had all the money in the world to spend on drinking drugs and I did and it was just a spiral of self-sabotage and self-hatred I think 
when you get into recovery, especially if you work a 12-step program, for me, it's a program of self-love. Mm, yeah. You forgive yourself mm. for everything. But when I was out there, I hated everything mm. because I was scared of everything. Mm. I think a lot of people will resonate that addiction is fueled by fear. Mm. You know, we do things to make ourselves feel better, mm. even though we know they're not going to make ourselves feel better, but we don't know any other way. Mm. You know, for so long, I was taught if you're happy, you have a drink. If yeah. you're sad, you have a drink. Mm. If it's a Wednesday, you have a drink. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It was just relentless. And I just never thought of a life without drinking. I'm from an East London slash Irish background. So drink has always been really heavy within mm. my family. And, you know, that's not to say everyone in my family has got problems with addiction. Some have, and actually some of them are now in recovery as well, which is amazing. Oh, but it was always on the scene. Mm. You know, for as long as I can remember, alcohol has been in my life. I think I was pouring my dad's pints at the age of about three. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? What key skills would your toddler need? <laughs> like, um, so the thought of giving that up, it was like giving up my best friend. You know, it was giving up my confidence. It was giving up my invitation. You know, who'd want to spend time with me wow, yeah. if I wasn't going out and being fun and being eccentric and being crazy? And, you know, would my friends still find me interesting if I didn't have stories of the night before? Mm. You know, but the reality is... I was getting up the next day, well, the next afternoon, not knowing where I'd been, not knowing what I'd been doing, having to use my phone as a map because my brain didn't have any memory. Mm. And sometimes, you know, if I had just ended up somewhere, I didn't have my Uber account to look at. I didn't have my bank cards. I didn't have anything. So I was just kind of picked up and then plotted like 12, 30, 13 hours later with a massive gap. Mm, yeah. And I thought that was completely normal and safe. And like, I'm like a 23 year old woman mm. going out in not the greatest places yeah. and not knowing where I've been, what I've done. I mean, I remember the amount of times I said, oh, I must've been spiked. And it's like, no babe, you drank four bottles of wine. <laughs> like, I just, couldn't, I just couldn't see a life without alcohol yeah. until it brought me to my knees. And my mental health was so, so bad. I'd moved in with my now partner and we had a beautiful house. I had a good job. I had everything on paper that should make me happy. Mm. And I was just hollow. Mm. You know, the outside was primmed and proper, but the inside was just dark and cold. Mm. And we'd had a housewarming party and everyone went home and I was on my own and my head was just so loud. You know that washing machine yeah. head when you're out and up but you still it's like your sober head is trying to get in and your drunk head's taking over mm. and I just thought I can't I can't live the rest of my life feeling like mm. this so I took an overdose oh, and I laid down in my bed next to my partner who was asleep and I waited to die and as I laid there I thought about my family thought about my nan my brother my mum you know my family means everything to me having that Irish family like my cousins are like my brothers and sisters and I thought about my partner having to wake up the next morning and I remember thinking to myself he's gonna have to deal with my body 
and that's how low I thought of myself that I didn't think my partner's going to be upset no. I'm just thinking of myself like you've got to take the rubbish out do you know what I mean yeah. that's how low my opinion was yeah. but whatever I felt and whatever thoughts I now know my higher power got me up and I was sick mm. and the next day I spent the whole day in bed my partner had work and when he came home he was like what was going on with you last night mm. because I'm still having these blackouts so I don't really know what's going on I remember taking the tablets I remember feeling like I wanted to die but I don't really remember how I got to you know having fun in the kitchen with my friends mm. to suddenly I'm in the bathroom wanting to kill myself mm. like I don't really I'll never know because I wasn't in my right mind no. and I told him all what's going on and thanks be to god i haven't had a drink or a drug since mm. so my sobriety day i say is the monday after because obviously it's saturday night i tried to kill myself and i'm highly intoxicated so i'm you know i think i'd be sober enough to call it my sobriety day come monday <laughs> um and yeah the first month um because i was i was 25 when i got sober nearly 26 which is relatively young mm. to get sober do you know mm. what i mean it feels a bit like leaving the party at 12 o'clock <laughs> and i struggled with that yeah. you know <laughs> being in your mid-20s mm. everything is bottomless brunches you know you go to the theater oh should we get wine with our tickets mm. it's cheaper if we pre-order do you know what i mean there's so much alcohol mm. in your 20s because in theory you don't start drinking till you're 18 yeah. so your 20s you're just getting started whereas i started at 12 <laughs> so i was like way past the sell-by date but it meant that I I didn't have an identity. No. I didn't know who I was without a glass of Prosecco. I didn't know who I was without being the hostess with the Moses. Mm. So for the first month, I just stayed at home. I was signed off work because I obviously told my, my boss at the time that I tried to take my own life and he was like, take as much time as you need, he was brilliant. Mm. Um, and I was just at home on my own and that's when we got our dog which was if you're getting into recovery i know i shouldn't promote just getting a dog for any random reason but oh my god <laughs> literally because you have to get up you have to look oh, after yeah. them um and she got me out of the house every day as well which yeah, you know i'm good. terrible for self-isolation mm. and with a dog you have to take them out you mm. know even if it's just for 20 minutes around the local park um but yeah so for the first month i read a lot of books i listened to a lot of podcasts I changed what I was following on social media as well. That was a big one for me. Mm. Like I love Instagram, TikTok, all of the apps. I enjoy learning. But what I realised is all I was seeing was a lifestyle that I was no longer aspiring for. Mm. So I had to remove that. And then I started following positive accounts that were like mindfulness, mm. wellness, sober content creators, all things that I wanted to align with. Mm. I needed to see it to realise there was people out in the world that do do this and they aren't insane. Mm. They're actually quite happy. And I was like, wow. <laughs> um, but yeah, after that first month, I remember I got to a month and I was like, who am I? Like, can I actually do this? Like, I was at a point in my mental health where I was like, I know that drinking and using drugs is being detrimental because any time I've tried to kill myself, I have been drunk. Mm. So to me, well, if you stop drinking, you might not try and kill yourself again. Mm. It was quite a simple fix. Yeah. Um, but it was really hard because, I, like I said, I didn't know who I was. Mm. So that's when I found the 12-step program and that's when I went to local meetings. And I remember walking into my first meeting, no one dragged me, I took myself there because I just wanted to be around people that were thinking the way I was thinking. Mm. I was having relapse dreams and obviously 
my partner couldn't understand that. I didn't even know it was a relapse dream. All I knew is I was drinking about wine, mm. dreaming mm. about drinking wine. Yeah. Wow. And it was just like my whole body, obviously now I know it's it's the craving, it's you know, you're you're detoxing, your your mind's adjusting. Um, but no one understood that. So I was like, I need to be around people that get it. Mm. So I went along to a meeting and normally at a meeting they have speakers. But at this particular meeting, the speaker hadn't turned up. So the person that was hosting the meeting gave everyone a little card with a word on it. And my word was identification. And I was like, what are the chances? Like, I'm literally here because I don't have a clue who I am. And I just cried and was just really, really honest. Um, And in that meeting was a lady who has sponsored me through my whole recovery. Um, I met her at my first meeting, which again massive high power for the moment for me mm. you know the chances of me getting to a random meeting and meeting a woman that's literally me mm. but kind of 20 years older and with like four years on me sobriety wise you know it, definitely a high power moment but it took me a while to really grasp the fact that I was an addict and I you know I, I had a problem with mm. drink I wasn't just I think I thought that I could just stop and suddenly I'd feel better after like the hangover had cleared and actually the craving, the wanting it, the thinking about it. Mm. I'd never really thought about how much I thought about alcohol because whenever I thought about it, I would have it. Mm. So you never really, if you go out and you get something, you don't really notice that you're thinking about it because you just, you go, I need that, I'll get it. Until it's gone. So you don't have a moment of reflection. You're just living through it. And it was only when I gave up and I couldn't have it anymore that I realised how much I wanted it and how much I thought I needed it, you know. And for me, alcohol was never a confidence thing. You know, I'm I'm quite comfortable talking to people. It was actually in some ways a chance for me to actually talk to people candidly because Mm. I was quite an emotional drunk. So I would cry and I'd say how I was feeling and everything would boil up. But I couldn't do that when I was sober because mm. I had to keep this front on. You know, I couldn't be honest. Mm. I couldn't be honest with myself, let alone other people. But when they say, oh, drunk mind speaks sober hearts, that was like my green light. Do you know what I mean? I was like, I can say whatever I want now because people just sound drunk. Mm. The fact that inside I'm literally wanting to die every second, but everyone's like, oh, I should have too much tequila. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, it's crazy. But once I let go and accepted that, you know, alcohol and me, drugs and me, never going to happen again one day at a time i can manage that you know a 12-step program we don't think too far ahead and i've always been a complete control freak ironically my life is always falling apart and i'm just there posting a picture on instagram like be real be honest love yourself (laughs) (laughs) complete bullshit but getting into recovery for me you know i've let go of their masks don't get me wrong i do still sometimes pick them up you know I've been through a hell of a lot in my recovery that sometimes you don't want to be completely honest with the whole wide world. But that's why you have a sponsor. That's why you build your sober community because, you know, I think going to meetings and working a program is amazing, but we get into these fellowships so that we can have a life. You know, I think it's quite dangerous territory if you think that you need to go to a meeting every single day because for me, it's like I got into recovery to learn about myself and get the tools to live life yeah, nice. i'm not living life if i'm in the same 
four walks every single day, I might as well be back in my room right. having literally like basically schizophrenia. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like feeling crazy and isolating myself. I love going to meetings, don't get me wrong. That's not me saying don't go, you get so much sobriety. I still do three meetings a week mm. and that's my medicine. Mm. Do you know what I mean? If if someone had diabetes, you wouldn't say, oh, I'll only take your insulin for six months, yeah. you'll be all right. Yeah. Do, you know, do you know what I mean? It's just... I think there's this confusion with recovery that you can get recovered. Right. And I think that's very dangerous. Yeah. I never say I'm recovered yeah. because I don't ever want to be unteachable. Right. You know, I always go to different meetings. I have my home meetings, but I like to go to different meetings because you hear different people yeah. and you hear how people have got through stuff that you didn't think you could ever get through. Right. You know, I'm spending quite a lot of time at the moment sharing my story with other people purely because in July of this year, I lost my son to stillbirth. And there was a moment when I was in labour where I said to my partner, let's just let's just forget sobriety. Let's, for some reason, I chose Liverpool. I've always wanted to go to Liverpool, but I decided I was going to go up to Liverpool, get a bottle of Glens, not even Shrock, not even going to be bougie, <laughs> and a big bag of me mate Charlie and that was it and once I gave birth to my son I realised that I've worked so hard to be at a place where my body is ready to carry a child where my brain is ready to share love with another child with another person do you know what I mean I've worked so hard my recovery although I haven't got my baby in my arms I'm I'm a mum do you know what I mean? I'm I'm well enough now that not only can I pick myself up every day, I'm at a position in my life where I can share that love with someone else. And that's what recovery has given me. You know, and yeah, I could have easily had a relapse. I could have easily gone out there. And so many people, even people that are really, really close to me and know my story, were, were worried that I would. Because, you know, losing anyone is hard. But losing your own child and having to give birth to it, you know, it was... Awful, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy, but going out and having a drink isn't going to change that. You know, for me, I'm very aware that if I pick up, I'm pausing all my pain. Mm. And I can't do that. Because I don't know if I'd press play again. Wow. Do you know what I mean? It's just... Someone said to me, "You, you grow through what you go through. So for me, I have to walk through grief yeah. I have to have nights where I have insomnia and flashbacks <laughs> because what other choice have I got mm. go back out there and drink and use and know that I'll just end up back in my bathroom trying to take my own life that brought me nothing but pain and losing my son was painful and I will carry that pain with me but compared to how I felt mm. when I was at my lowest when I was out in active addiction this is a breeze mm. and that's how dark it got for me yeah. that if someone needs a perspective of pain level yeah. just being in my own skin was that painful yeah. when I was in active addiction and now I'm able to use my story use my pain for good mm. help other women work with other women through the 12 step program meet other people do amazing things like this podcast mm. You know, for me, recovery is about sharing and it's about hope and love. You know, for so long, I didn't think I deserved love because I didn't love myself. 
and you cannot receive love unless you learn to love yourself mm-hmm. and you have to let go of all the stuff that you've done because you know people say to me that they have lost children when they was out in addiction and mm-hmm. they drunk on that and I would say to them but you didn't know any different mm-hmm. that was your coping mechanism mm-hmm. you know if I lost my son when I was still out in active addiction there's no way I would have gone to a meeting because I didn't know it even existed mm-hmm. I didn't know that I didn't have to feel that way I didn't know that I could ask for help. I didn't know that I didn't have to be on my own and isolated. Mm. You know, I mean, I've lost so much this year. I've lost two jobs. I've lost a baby. I've lost my uncle. I've lost my partner's nan. And yeah, it fucking hurts. But I'd rather feel it Mm. than drink on it. Mm. Because like I say, I can't. I'm a strong believer that when people pass, they go to heaven. Mm. You know, my higher power is God, and this isn't me preaching or anything like that. But for me, I believe heaven has a view room, and they can see what we're up to. And I don't want my son to look down on me and think, "Mum, you did all that for, for what?" Do you know what I mean? This isn't giving up drinking was a choice. Getting sober is a blessing. You know, being in recovery getting to know myself, getting to know other people. Mm. You know, when you go to a meeting and you share share stuff and people laugh mm. rather than look at you with a weird eye, like, <laughs> some of the things I've shared in meetings, I'm like, how has no one sent me to the psych ward? <laughs> like, because we all think the same. You know, we're not alone. And for someone trying to get sober on their own, it's so difficult, mm. you know, and you don't have to. No. There's so many resources out there now, you know, the internet can be a really dark place, but it can also be a really helpful place, mm. you know. And I think if someone is listening to this and they're debating whether or not sobriety is for them, give yourself a year, yeah. take a year off the beer and see how you feel. Mm. And I guarantee you're not going to want to go back. No. Because once you get sober and you actually spend the time to get to know yourself, forgive yourself... You know, if you work a 12-step program, making your amends is the most freeing thing you'll ever do, especially when it's people that really genuinely love you and you're expecting to get an absolute bollocking and they're like, just stay sober, that's all I want Mm. from you. I just want you to be happy and healthy. You know, people that you've put through hell, they just want you to be happy and healthy. You don't get that if you're out in some random den at four o'clock in the morning. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? You don't get that by losing 10 pounds in six months, which I did. Ten. Ten. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it was really Some classy. Achievement. Really yeah. classy. Some achievement. Yeah. So, for me, recovery has given me a life beyond my wildest dreams, and that's what they say on the tin. You know, you come into meetings, they that's what they promise you. And don't get me wrong, I've had to work really hard for it, and especially like this year, I have been tested, mm. and there have been many times where I could have picked up a drink, but what would that achieve? Mm. You know, I think as well when you're going to meetings and if you work a 12-step program you obviously get chips and key rings i'm not about to hand them back over you know what i mean like they're my pride and joy like if i had to go back in and start again i'd be fuming at myself because the thing is none of that the drink of drugs is ever going to be enough i know that now so what am i expecting to get a different outcome do you know what i mean i've got to give up all my chips For one couple of, maybe two hours of fun. No, not worth it. Not worth it. It's it's hard being sober, don't get me wrong. You know, I do sometimes still 
feel jealous of people that can go out and have wine, mm. that can have a red wine with their dinner. Mm. But that's not my story. Mm. And it's never going to be my story. And by sharing my story, it makes other women in their 20s feel it's okay mm. to have a problem with drink and drugs. It's okay. You know, drink and drugs aren't meant to be used the way our society uses them. Mm. It's in, Especially in British culture, yeah. it's binge drinking, it's all or nothing. Mm. You know, that's, that's not why they invented it. <laughs> so us saying, actually, this poison I don't want to put in my body kind of normal kind of okay kind of a healthy choice but society tells us that we're boring and we're not fun like mm. i've had so much more fun yeah. being sober mm. than i ever have had going out drinking because i actually remember it yeah. do you know what i mean very present i'm just <laughs> turning up to somewhere and i know how to get home i know that i'm still wearing my shoes i haven't lost a handbag i haven't lost a bank card haven't spent a stupid amount of money on complete strangers. Yeah. You know, I don't have to fish for friends anymore. I'm not desperate and I'm not depressed. Mm. You know, I still struggle with depression, but I'm not clinically depressed. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't feel the need to hide who I am anymore. I'm quite okay with the skin I'm in. Mm. You know, some days it's it's harder. You know, being a woman especially, you know, we have so many hang ups like I'm sure men do, but you know, getting used to my body after losing a child was mm. a massive challenge, but drinking isn't gonna change that, a drug isn't gonna change that. You know, again, putting a pause on my problems doesn't doesn't solve them. Mm. It just delays the pain. So, yeah, I think if anyone is listening and they're thinking about going sober, like I say, just give it a go. Um, I'm open to talking to anyone. Obviously, I'll give you all my socials and details and stuff, but. Yeah, that's me. Here I am. Still sober. Still free. Yeah. Somehow. <laughs> still just as crazy, though. <laughs> that's beautiful. Thank you so much, Elf. I, I um, yeah, fell in love with you the first time I saw you, to be honest, because you're so honest, so brutal, you know, and we need that. We need that, because when I was alone, in the madness, I didn't think that anyone thought about me, you know, and mm. it's beautiful to... I've, you know, my partner suffered what you suffered with, <clears throat> and I used on that mm. for ten years. I used on that, and um, I love what you said about that's all I was doing was pressing the pause button mm. on the pain. I've yeah. never heard it explained like that. I think that's a wonderful way to explain it. Mm. Um, but like you said, it's it's doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different outcome, isn't it? It was never going to change, you know. And how did you discover the meeting? Just online or you knew? So people? my uncle is in recovery oh, cool. so I knew of them yeah. and then yeah I just literally googled it yeah, and just nice. said find me in UK and there was one a seven minute drive from my house <laughs> that's typical isn't it yeah. the answer's literally on our doorstep yeah. isn't it yeah. I mean there's so many meetings around yeah. you know I mean we're so lucky really but and the thing is as well once you get to meet and you meet people because I know a lot of people struggle with transport yeah. but everyone's so friendly if you mm. said to someone oh I want to go to this meeting but I need a lift yeah no one's going to go, I'm not taking you. No. Do you I'm, know what I mean? Yeah, I remember trying to, I spoke to my sponsor and I said, oh, I can't get to a meeting. And he said, what do you mean? I said, I've got no transport. He said, well, swallow your pride then, ask someone. And I was like, mm. what? 
Fucking ask someone, what's wrong with you? Do you know what I mean? And Do you want to get well? Exactly. Like, <coughs> exactly what's more important, your pride exactly. or your medicine? And I never knew that, you know? Like, I was full of pride and fear and, and all the rest of it, you know? Well, it's because we want to act like we've got our shit together, don't we? Yeah, that's what I love about what you were saying, you know? Like, it could be absolute chaos going on in my life, but online, I'm double thumbs up, Literally. smiling, like, it's all good. Yeah, I'm a mum's dad. Just try to jump off the balcony. How? Because people go through the steps quickly; they go through it slowly. Uh, was it a quick process for you? Or? So I was I was a month sober when I came in, and then I did two months of meetings and reading before we started my steps. Mm. And then it took me about three months yeah, to go nice. through my steps, um, which I think is a nice time. Mm. You know, I, I hear people that do like weekend retreats and they rush through it. Yeah. But I think especially with your first time doing the steps, mm. it's top level. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You don't realise how deep you need it to go. Goes, you think yeah. you're going deep. But actually, I've, I mean, I've only done my steps once, mm. but I know people that have done it a second time around and they're like, oh my God, yeah. life changing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The first time you're kind of, cutting the crusty bit of the loaf off but you can dive <laughs> right deep into the bread do you know yeah. what I mean so but yeah so it took me three months um and I my sponsor got me to read three pages a night no more because I'm an avid reader yeah same I loved I will literally eat a good cup of coffee especially <laughs> when I get insomnia like I'll stay up one night and just read a whole yeah, book, a book yeah. in like three hours yeah. no problem um, so yeah, she had to stop me. Putting the reins on you, yeah. so you could digest it properly. Yeah, because that's the thing. Like, it's <coughs> not just about reading through it and no. zooming through it. No. You need to live this stuff, breathe this stuff, yeah. and really understand the concept and the history and the why. Mm. You know, if you just, it's not a tick box exercise. No, it's, no. it's proper clearing out everything. Yeah. It's a beautiful process, isn't it? It's amazing. Did you have a, like a particular step that you loved? I know they're all beautiful, but... Do you know what? I think doing my step three, for me, was really when I felt a turn in myself yeah. physically. Because I did my step three, and obviously, like I said, my higher power is God. Um, I'm Christian, so I got baptised in recovery. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. yeah um, cool. But I've always been drawn to the beach and water. Yeah. And near where I live, there's a beautiful nature reserve. Mm. So we went over there with my sponsor and was on our hands and knees and did the step three prayer. Awesome. And over the, over the lake, and it was a cloudy day. And as we finished the step three prayer, the sun came out. Oh, yeah. And Love it was that. just like... Yeah. and then everything else felt easy mm. because I trusted that I didn't have to run on my own free will anymore no. you know I know that my higher power wanted me to still be here cool. I knew my higher power was giving me a purpose yeah. and some days I'm still finding out what that is mm. you know I'd love it if he just sent me an email it's like right this is your itinerary <laughs> for the next six months yeah, you know what I mean go. sometimes six, I do think come on big man <laughs> send me a couple more feathers <laughs> You know what I mean? Sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. Mm, yeah, that beautiful. is, but yeah, for me, definitely step three because it enabled me to really get raw. Mm. I wasn't afraid. No. You know, I accepted who I was at that point. I turned my will over to God, and I was, I was starting to get a zest back for life. Because yeah. I realised that it wasn't going to be as hard anymore. No. You know, I had love around me. I had people that genuinely wanted me to get well. Mm. 
and I had a program that told me how. Yeah. You know, I had guidance, I had support, I had love. All the things that we look for. Yeah. But I was looking in the wrong places. Yeah, I love what you said at the beginning. Like this is a program of self love. I, mm. I agree with that entirely. You know, I never <clears throat> that like you just said. A, a lot of my problems are seeking love outside yeah. of myself. You know, what I love about the steps is that like you hear talk about high power and you think what the fuck. But each point of the process helps you get further along in that respect. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's not just step one, believe in God and you'll be all right. Oh, sweet. You yeah. know, it's going through all of that unblocking. You can't, you can't pick and choose the steps either. No. I've no. heard some people be like, oh, I'll do a bit of this and I'll do a bit of that. It's like, no, you've got to go through it yeah. in order. Oh, it's written down. Literally. Yeah. I had 15 years, like, coming in and out, in really? and out. Yeah. Because I knew it worked. Yeah. But then I'd mentioned the God word and I'd be oh, fuck off, mate. And I'd yeah. walk out. Do you know what I mean? How'd that come out of me? I won't. On an injection or something that yeah, stopped me doing just, what I'm doing. Yeah, put me in a coma for six months. <laughs> yeah, maybe when I wake up I'll be better. But yeah. <clears throat> no, it's absolutely beautiful. And I, yeah, I um, I feel that love and that support and that protection. You know, I don't go about my day these mm. days. Um, watch. You know, another thing you said which I really enjoy is that like somehow society does try to tie you with the brush that you'll be boring when you don't drink or use. But I've done things. I've done all the things that I never used to do. Yeah. When I was in addiction, you know, I'd go to gigs, I'd go to yeah. football, I'd go to comedy I never nights, used to do or... anything other than go to the pub or around my friends' houses yeah, when I was exactly in addiction. Right. And then that's like, do you know what I mean? But I never travelled. I hated huh. going on holiday yeah. because I, one, didn't, didn't know, the, I, I'm not great with currency, mm. so going to another country and having to do maths to work out my blues was just too stressful, <laughs> to be honest. Like, unless it was like Zanny or Ryan Appleart, I weren't interested. <laughs> I, um, I couldn't even get on a train. Like, when I was 15, I couldn't even get on a train, like the anxiety. And really? I, yeah, I've travelled on my own in sobriety. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, there is nothing that we can't do, is there, once we. But it's that self confidence that sobriety gives you. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think there's a lot of self confidence that comes from rejecting society's norms. Oh, wow. And not in like a stick it to the man kind of way, oh. but in a way of saying, this doesn't serve me. Yeah. So I'm not going to have it in my life, wow, yeah. even though everyone around you is like, come on, this is great. You know, removing yourself from something is really empowering, yeah, like especially if it works yeah, for you. I like that a lot. Do you know what I mean? I think there's a lot of a lot of self-confidence, resilience that comes from choosing life, yeah, choosing to start over, mm. choosing to apologise, mm. choosing to forgive yourself. Mm. You know, not a lot of people get that in they life. Don't. A lot of people go to their deathbed with resentment. Yeah, massive. Do you know what I mean? And I don't even mean people that are addicts. No. You know, people that are normal, mm. quote unquote, mm. they still mm. live, a, they can live a very angry life. I see that all the time. And I don't see a lot of people outside of recovery that are very happy. No. You know, all the people that I know that are happy and content and free are the ones in recovery. Completely. Because we're lucky, aren't we? We've got the gift, yeah. the keys to the kingdom. Like We've got all of this Obviously. information that... That's why I say I'm, I'm grateful to be an alcoholic. Yeah, I am now. You know, for me, I know what I suffer from yeah. and I know what I need to do to not make me suffer. Mm. You know, yeah, I can complicate it and I can take my own will back and act like a bit of a dickhead. Yeah, well, we can, can't but we? But then I just make an amends and it's all fine. <laughs> <laughs> this is it, I can actually say sorry these yeah. days rather than maintain that it's that other person. But I don't have to run away anymore. Nah. I'm such a runner. Yeah. I moved house every year for 10 years when I was in addiction. When I fill out one of them forms, it's like, how many addresses have you had in the fi- last five years? I'm there for like fucking ages. It writes me <laughs> off. One more, I have to go back through my more. emails to be like, oh, that's the house I rented, that's the house I bought, that's the house I sold, that's the one I lost all my money on. Yeah. 
They're just moving and, and running all the time. Yeah, it's changed postcodes. Yeah. Because it wasn't me that was the no, problem. No, it's not. It's it was that house the local or that, that problem, was the problem. Yeah, or that person. I was too close to the pub. Oh, yeah, of course. That was the problem. Yeah, of course. I was too close to people that drunk like me. Mm. That was the problem. Yeah, of course. God forbid I looked at all the mirrors <laughs> I've got in my house. <laughs> yeah, no, it can't possibly be me. Wouldn't be, be me. me. No. no. Yeah, I moved, I moved all the way to Colchester, oh, which is like an hour away from where I live now. And Get away lived on my own because I was like then I won't have a dealer so I won't do drugs anymore how long did it take you to find a dealer after that <laughs> oh, I found red wine in the <laughs> oh, you, yeah I swapped one. I swapped my dealer for oh, red yeah. wine but then every time I'd come back down like come back down as if I'd gone to like Timbuktu yeah. but you know you go back to your old stomping ground yeah, and straight away you're doing the same things I remember I was um excuse driving past one day and I looked at him he looked at me nodded at each other he pulled up he went what do you want like if you you know, if you, if wow. you yeah, there's something intrinsic in me and him that we just recognise each other, you know. And Isn't that scary? It's really scary. What they, yeah, if you if you've got it, you spot it, isn't it? That's but what I they wonder say. if that would happen to you now. I've seen, I've, I've, mate, I've seen gear on the floor. I see him. I see that um, dealer at the gym when I was eighteen months, clean and sober. And Love that. Yeah, he was, well, Mr. Yeah, he's like, um, <laughs> he's like, where the fuck have you been? I said, oh, I'm getting clean and sober now, and he started telling me his problems, and I was like, uh. And then as I went to walk off, he said, oh, do you want to take my number? And that's no. what uh, that's what I think Absolutely about. Absolutely no, exactly. I do not want to take your number. But that's me, that's me in fit spiritual condition, because like, yeah. I'm happy and I'm content and I'm yeah. well. If I go into the gym and I'm resentful and I'm angry and I'm pissed off and he offers me his number, I'm going to say, oh, I'll take it. I'm not going to use it, but I'll take it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's the importance for me to make that's sure that every day I feel good yeah. and I feel happy. Removing the temptation at the beginning of your sobriety. Mm. You know, I'm at a position now in my sobriety where I help other addicts get sober yeah. and I was helping someone recently and the first thing I said was you need to delete all your dealing numbers mm. yeah. you know I think that's I don't want to say that one's harder than the other because to me addiction is the same but I think with drugs mm. obviously they are illegal mm. so if you delete and block your dealer's numbers mm. as much as you and I both know you can go to any pub in England mm. and you'll find a dealer within 10 minutes yeah. but anywhere you go there will be alcohol yeah. And that's legal. Yeah, you know? yeah. And for me, alcohol was my main poison. Mm. You know, I know I'm going to Toby Carvery this afternoon for a nice, wholesome roast dinner. Yeah. But no doubt there'll be someone having a glass of wine next to me, mm. or my partner might want a beer. Yeah. Thankfully, I'm in a position today where it doesn't bother me. Neutrality. But for someone in their early days, yeah. it's really fucking hard. Mm. You know, you would just go and do your weekly shop. You've got to avoid two aisles yeah. now. Yeah. You know, two massive aisles. Yeah. And especially at Christmas and Black Friday, all the any event, mm. Tesco, Asda, all the supermarkets, oh buy three bottles for this and four <laughs> yeah, bottles for that. Do you know what I mean? It's they really want you to buy excessively. Well. Yeah, of course they do. You know. But that's I enjoyed what you said as well about it being a, just a, a seemingly a British cultural thing. Do you know what I mean? Because other countries and no. people in other countries don't drink like us. You no, know? It's, it's but it's also not celebrated as much in other countries like children in other countries can have from the age of like i think it's 11 in like european countries they'll have a small glass of wine yeah, with their dinner, with their dinner yeah. whereas we're like buzzing to turn 18 yeah. so we can drink Pop the cork, yeah, it's like nice. as if nothing else is available to you at 18 yeah. you know you can now travel on your own you can now get a phone contract on your own yeah. you know you could go and get a mortgage if you wanted to yeah. not that i know any 18 year old that can afford to no. but the reality is when i was turning 18 the only reason I was happy was because I could go out clubbing yeah. legally. Legally, yeah. Because we were all doing it before anyway. Yeah, of course. Do, do you know what I mean? Like that's that's the that's 
absolute creme de la creme of being an adult is that you can drink poison. <laughs> Feel like shit afterwards. Yeah. Madness and out. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, you know what? Another thing that interests me is that eventually I turned into an everyday user. So I, well, even then I couldn't identify as an addict. But I always sort of thought of an addict as like a heroin addict or someone on the park bench and all of that. Was you, you didn't use and drink every day. Was that, did that make it harder to accept that you did have a problem? Yeah. yeah. I think for me, I was a weekend drinker. Mm. And every time I drank, once I started, I couldn't stop. Yeah. I drank alcoholically yeah. from day dot. But for me, I think I understood I had a problem with alcohol. Mm. And alcohol alcoholism and addiction runs in my family. Yeah. And obviously, it's a hereditary illness. So I knew that I was playing with fire. But what I struggled with was getting help when I wasn't an everyday drinker. Yeah. You know, for me, I was really nervous about going into meetings and integrating in a sober community, even online, mm. because I felt like I hadn't done enough damage. I wasn't bad enough. Mm. You know, I didn't. I genuinely thought I didn't deserve a seat yeah. at a meeting because yeah. I thought someone else might be struggling more than me. Mm. So I don't want to take up their seat. Madness, isn't it? Like the ego will like, try anything it can to keep you out of. Literally room, tried to kill myself, but someone else needs to see more than me. That's fucked, isn't it? How yeah. we just minimise our, our suffering and our pain like yeah. that. Yeah. You know? Because, but I think <coughs> as well, it's that I'm quite a. I've always been a like a motherly nature kind of person. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like I always say, my big brother's my little brother, and I look after him. So I think for me in some ways that's hindered me because mm. I'm like, if I care for other care people, on, yeah. I haven't got to it. focus on myself, yeah. which meant for years, as, ever, as long as everyone else was all right, yeah. no one can see what's going on with me. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. for me, going into a meeting felt like I was taking someone else's place. It was only when I got there and realised that the only thing about going to meetings is you have to have a desire to stop drinking. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, then you've got to be sober. No, you just have that desire. You just got to have that desire. Be sober, curious. You know, some people go along to meetings and it doesn't work for them, and mm. I completely respect that. But I would always say try it yeah. because I think for me the reason I'm still sober is because of my friends that I've made for recovery. Yeah, I believe that. You know, even if I don't go to a meeting as much as I'd like to in the week, mm. I will speak to sober friends yeah. daily. Yeah, same. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, my my best friends are in recovery. Yeah. I was going to ask about that because when I first come into recovery, I'd get there as the meeting was starting, I'd sit at the back and then I'd quickly fuck off as soon as it ended. You know, I didn't want anything mm. to do with anyone and I didn't get well. I'd, and it was only really this time when I surrendered properly that I immersed myself in mm. the fellowship and got unity in my life. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, and today I'm so yeah. lucky that like, I've got friends that you can just explain how nutty you are and they just laugh because yeah. they, they think the same way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's massively important to have fellowship. I think it's important, but I also think in your first year, mm. you're very vulnerable mm. and, you know, you're going to meetings, you're in a room full of sick people. Yeah, of course. Your amount of days on your counter doesn't mean that you're well. No, You know, it's not. one day at a time. Yeah. And I think it's brilliant to have unity, mm. but it's important that that unity doesn't take you away from your programme. Yeah. You know, I, I see a lot of people coming into the rooms, buddying up in their early days, and they're too busy focusing on unity and going out and socialising, yeah. rather than doing the work. Doing extra you know, your yeah. first year of sobriety is like going to school. Yeah. 
you know, they say that you, when you come in and get sober, the age that you started to drink is the age that you are oh, wow. when you get sober. Yeah, so for sense. me, I was 12. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so like, I didn't know how to socialise sober. Mm. I didn't know how to do all that. And as much as people would invite me to places, I didn't have the confidence to go no. sober. No. You know, and I've, I was... I very, very much in my first year focused on just sticking with my sponsor and her sponsees. And that is, that's like the core of my friendship group now. And from that, it's kind of grown into a bigger group. But, you know, there were many times when I didn't make myself known and didn't kind of go out my way to get invited to things or Mm. say, like, what's everyone up to? Because I needed to focus on me. So I think if you're new in just be mindful not to throw yourself into socializing no. so much that you're not at home doing your homework oh, yeah, that's important. do you know what i mean yeah, it is like, like the school of life yeah. and if you're out avoiding that's what it is yeah. you know but if you're, you're not at home doing your work yeah. doing your studying doing your gratitude list then you are kind of avoiding yeah. shit which is what we do do we do do it, do it. you know and don't get me wrong it's lovely to go out and socialize mm. and be with people but you are socialising when you're at a meeting. Yeah. You know, you can get there a bit early, have a cup of tea, yeah. you can stay a bit later. Yeah, of course. But if you're then at work all week, going to a meeting three nights a week, then at the weekend you're out yeah. with your when new you, friends. Yeah, when are, when are you sitting down? When are you connecting with your higher power? Yeah. When are you doing your meditation? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think it, I think it is. It's a really hard game that mm. we play. Mm. Because some days we need more of one thing and some days yeah. we need less of balance, one thing. And you're, yeah. You know, we've finally got all these tools, but you kind of, you you get given the program and you get given your, well, you choose your sponsor, but you then have to get yourself well. Yeah. And what works for me might not work for you and vice versa. Yeah. So you have to take little bits of nuggets from everyone to yeah. build your program. Yeah, I love that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think we are chameleons mm. and you, you could get yourself really close with someone that isn't working their program. You might not even do that well. Yeah. And the sick will get you sicker yeah you that's know. interesting as well i think that is worth pointing out you know that <clears throat> i could run a program every single day because mm-hmm. it, it ain't a drink or a drug problem is it it's my mind that's the problem and yeah. I, i've known people that have been in many many years that are very sick still mm-hmm. you know and you can tell that they've yeah. taken their foot off the gas and I, I, i'd rather <clears throat> yeah i mean you might as well be drinking and using if you're going to yeah. be stuck in that mindset but it's your behaviors isn't it yeah you know you see people have a relapse in their behavior mm. before they have a relapse yeah wow yeah and that's what's really scary yeah. because it's whether as a friend, if you know someone's relapsed their behaviour, whether you can steer them back. Because yeah. at the end of the day, you and I both know you've got to want it, you've got yeah, to do it yourself, yeah. you've got to put the hard work in. Yeah. You know, you can go to a meeting every day, you can speak to your sponsor every day, you can go to unity days, you can go to conventions, but if you're not getting real and yeah. getting honest with yourself, yeah. it means fuck all. Yeah, it really that. means fuck all. And as well, the first year, like people say, romance and finance, you know, that's what's going to knock you over in that first year. Because, like you said, I think it's important, having spent all that time running away from myself, that I actually get to know who I am. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Without distraction. Yeah. You need to avoid chaos, basically. Yeah. Yeah. You know, your mind is chaos enough when you first come in, you know. One part of you wants to run back out the door, one part of you wants to. Think that one part of you thinks it's a cult, one yeah. part of you thinks this. Well, do you know I, what I, I just mean? think it was all set up because it was all yeah. about me. Do you know what I mean? So it's like a Truman show. I used where to literally used to look at cameras when I first came yeah. in. Yeah, I, I like, is it really anonymous? <laughs> I did as well. Like, in one meeting, there's like a microphone that hangs out from the ceiling, and I was like, fuck this. You know what I mean? <laughs> but you, get, you come to know, didn't you? Yeah, <clears> but 
you do need, you know, you're looking for peace and serenity. Mm. You can't have that if you're moving around and you're juggling too many plates, yeah. you know, to get well, you have to focus on it. You know, if you broke your leg, you would have physio mm. and you'd have daily exercises yeah. for a set period of time. Yeah. And if you didn't do them, you may not walk again. Exactly that. It's the same difference, yeah, but it's for our brain. Yeah. And no one can see it, and no one can tell whether you're doing it or not no. doing it. Exactly, yeah. No one's going to check up on you. No. You don't have regular GP appointments. No. You just have to do it. Yeah, I love that. Someone else said the other day, like, you get given all these wonderful tools, but it ain't no good me having the tools if I'm not prepared to use them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful stuff, man. Huh? What's your life like today in terms of, like, mental health and... Um, my mental health is still up and down. Mm. I take medication. I know some people don't believe you should be sobriety, but that works for me. Mm. Um, I am in therapy at the moment oh, for cool. bereavement. Yeah. Obviously losing my son. Mm. Um, I'm grateful. Yeah. I'm so grateful. You know, even on my hard days, none of them are as hard as nice. what it was when I was out there. Nice. You know, I'm, I'm grateful for the little things you know like I do my daily gratitude list and sometimes they're long and sometimes they're short but I, re I tend to read them out to my partner nice. just so that I can get that kind of express it yeah and also I think when you hear your own words it sinks in a bit more yeah. and he's my my partner is can sometimes be more negative and I'm the positive one which mm. is great because we're yin and yang do you know what I mean mm. I'm like the dreamer he's like the realistic yeah. do you know what I mean I'm going to Thailand he's like we're going medical like. <laughs> <laughs> so but when I read him out to him he's like you're grateful for like such little things that yeah. I'm big with past by like yeah. I love the fact that my pillow is a memory foam <laughs> <laughs> little things though do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, but that's the beauty of it, isn't but it? But there's people in the world that don't even have a pillow, let alone a memory foam pillow. Amen. You know, and I think I'm so grateful that we have hot water. Mm. You know, I'm yeah. so grateful that I can go to my fridge and there's food that I want to eat yeah. in there. I love all of that. You know, because you know, I feel like we get a second opportunity to appreciate all yeah. the little things that we took for granted. Yeah. Like, other people don't get that jump off point where they become no. grateful for the things it's like that they've got. It's a full got. reset, isn't it? Amen, yeah. You know, definitely. you literally get to, they say, don't they, that when you get sober, you see life through, like, technicolour. Mm. So, like, you've lived in such a, like, black and white life where you've been so, like, depressed and feel like shit. And then suddenly you get sober and day by day, like, the lights start Vibrant, coming on, yeah. the vibrancy. Yeah. You know, I remember, I think I was about three or four months sober and I was driving somewhere with my mum and I was in the passenger seat I was like, wow. She was like, what? I was like, that is such a nice tree. <laughs> she was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I was like, no, seriously, look at the leaves yeah, on that tree. True. I've because I never looked. Nah, Fucking shit. Yeah. All I was thinking about was where's the vodka? Where's the wine? Yeah. Where's the music? Mm. Let's pretend we're happy. Yeah. I didn't care about trees. No, of course not. Let alone the fact it had leaves. <laughs> I couldn't even say what time of year it was. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? It's true, isn't it? My life was like a casino, which is always odd. <laughs> Yeah, no clocks. Literally. No clocks, pumping fucking no. fresh air in. Yeah. Um, I love what you said about um, depression as well, because I, the way that I've come to understand my thinking is that if I have a thought and then I foster it, I'm going to start adopting it and then it will grow. But And that's what depression was for me. It just got more and bigger and bigger and bigger and, and wider ranging. But with the programme that we've got today, I can feel down and a little bit depressed, mm. but because I share it, yeah. it doesn't get hooked into me. And, well, um, I read a book not that recently actually but it's all about thoughts and they say that 
thoughts you cannot control. No. So if you have an intrusive thought, mm. you will naturally, you may or you may not feel a bit uncomfortable with it. Mm. But the more you ignore a thought, the more you're inviting it to stay. The more you resist the sift. Whereas by, like you say, by sharing it mm. and saying like, Oh my gosh, that's the weirdest thought. I was going to pick up that knife and kill you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you do that too. Like, yeah. <laughs> but then it's gone. Yeah, of course. Whereas if you harboured like on that, yeah. it becomes bigger and bigger and yeah. bigger. They're like clouds. Mm. They're going to come in and they're just going to pass by. Yeah. Or they'll stop and be stagnant mm. because you're staring at it. Yeah, wow. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, okay. Once I read that, I felt a lot calmer yeah. because I do have really intrusive thoughts. Yeah, do you know what I mean? I was just... Some of the things I think, I think, fucking hell, you've watched too much True Crime. (laughs) (laughs) But everyone has them. Yeah, we're not the author of our thoughts. No, that's what I didn't understand. I thought I was nuts. Like, how can you think that? Like, that's so awful. But when I read this book, it said that thoughts are completely random. They just, like, accumulation of things that you've witnessed throughout the day. Your brain takes tiny nuggets, and then it'll just go... Process it, yeah. And it means nothing. Not that serious. Not it doesn't that, mean anything. No. Like, I generally thought I was going to be a serial killer. <laughs> I was concerned that I'd have to literally, like, write, yeah. like, a, a sorry letter yeah. in advance in case I lost my shit and just went on a rampage. Yeah, right? Once you do one, you can, yeah, it's easy to get a taste for it, didn't you? Apparently. <laughs> I hate to find out. I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Check their garden. Check their garden. It's um, a rental, it's fine. <laughs> just move. Yeah, yeah, just move. Ten more times. I'm good at that.
get that family bond. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, I say it's my partner, I say like people that are my friends in recovery, I'm like, they're like a brother. I can't believe that. Or they're like an <laughs> uncle. Yeah. And obviously my partner's not got a problem, so he's not in recovery, mm. lucky for him. But he's like, that's so weird. And yeah, like, yeah people don't understand that. But it's, you, it's you get to know though, each other. Yeah, shared in, bond and... Yeah, but you're so raw with each other, mm, do you know what I mean? Honest, like, yeah. the things that people in, in like my recovery circles know about me, yeah. a lot of people don't know about mm. me, and because there was a lot of shame attached to my behaviour. Yeah. And I'm okay with that now, but would I run and broadcast it to the normals in the world? <laughs> civilians. No, I would no. not be telling the civilians what no. I was up to. No. Because you would be judged. Yeah. And I think that's the other problem for women, is that, you know, a woman that drinks a lot may also be perceived as, you know, promiscuous yeah. or easy yeah. or slutty. Yeah. And the reality is that when men and women enjoy oh, pleasure, yeah, whether that be sex, that. drink, yeah. drugs, mm. shopping, spending, it's all the same. Yeah. But traditionally, men go out to work and go to the pub after work. Yeah. Women are at home with the children yeah. and working. The difference is now, women are working, men are working, mm. but women is coming home, doing the cooking, doing the cleaning, looking after the children, yeah. some set up. Yeah. So there's a lot more pressure on a woman now, I think, I because feel. you know I don't know anyone now that in a in a relationship is able to live with one income. No. You know, even if one of you's working part time, one of you's working full time, no. no one's full time job is to run the house and run the home no. anymore. So you hear a lot more about women that are drinking at home. Yeah. You know, a lot of people that I've met in recovery, they say that my sofa was my park bench. Wow. Because they Fucking they didn't hell. go out and drink. They no. didn't socialise. You know, a lot of men <laughs> they're in the pub scene, you yeah. know, and then the pub leads to an arse party. Yeah. A lot of women Using we're drinking at home. Yeah. You I, know, I we're isolating ourselves. Yeah, I justified like having kids, well I'm at home. I'm not out gallivanting, yeah. so it's alright for me yeah. to use at home, you know. And but that's what I feel like because <clears throat> the traditional conception is of a man who uses every day. Yeah. Like, I know so many women that protect I can't like um you know, it's down to every individual to diagnose themselves, mm. but I see a lot of potentially addictive behaviour in yeah. women that would just steadfast refuse to accept it. Yeah. And I think that's such a shame because there's so much on offer yeah. when you do go through the process and you and you accept that about yourself. You don't have to be using every day. You don't no. have to be out all the time. And If you do something regularly, mm. again and again, and it's, it's, it's a habit, Yeah. and if you can't go to a certain place without doing certain things, yeah. then that's an addiction. Yeah, it is. You know, so if you're out every single Friday and you have to have a drink every single Friday, yeah. then that's your habit, that's yeah. you're addicted to that. Yeah. Unless you can go into a Friday and categorically say, I'm not gonna do that today mm. and not do it, not, not then you're all right. Yeah. But I'm I know not. a lot of people that they get to their Friday and every single Friday have a ritual yeah. and that's, you know, it's the same principle, isn't it? If you, it's if a slippery you, slope. Yeah, and if you prevent yourself from drinking all week long so that you can go out on the weekend, it's the same principle yeah. as, you know, because you're but, uh, trying not to do so. The amount of units I used to drink, you know, I love it when you go to the doctor's for cosmetics. How much do you drink? None. <laughs> Cut more for mum. Out the face at the doctor's appointment. Nah. Yeah. Maybe like two pints. <laughs> Fucking lies. It's all but lies, I would it? drink probably someone's monthly units yeah. in one night. Yeah, fucking hell. Easily. Yeah. Because once I started, I couldn't Can't stop. stop. That's the that's the the 
the key point for me is that I just used to think I was greedy. I didn't understand that I was allergic, you know, like mm. an abnormal reaction to a substance. Other people can yeah. just have one or two. I, I could never understand why I spent so much money. No. No. Because I was like, why am I late to spend all this much money? What's going on? Why yeah. am I spending a hundred pounds and not out of nonsense? Yeah. But it's two pound drinks all night. <laughs> What's going on there? Cheaper the drinks are, the more I'm buying. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much they are. No. Someone says to me, I'll two egg bombs for a tenner. Two on the table for a fiver. Yeah. It's probably even ten now, it costs a living right, crisis. Yeah. I wouldn't buy two, I'd buy four. Yeah. Maybe even double that. I'd like, oh, I'll put a score. It's easy done, yeah. It's so easily done. And right? I love the excuse of I don't want to queue up. So I'd buy <laughs> like so really well I'd buy like two bottles of yeah. wine, a round of shots, some softs. By softs I mean like WKDs. Yeah. But I mean when I say softs, I'll be like <laughs> Not really strong. Still alcoholic. Still horrible, yeah. It's not water. Yeah. That kid's lemonade. WKD. Yeah. yeah. It's fucking... Can I have the PG alcohol, please? <laughs> the, the brightly coloured one. Yeah. yeah. I Because I never was a massive drinker. I was always terrified of being out of control drinking and, and fearful that something would happen. So I, I just used to sniff quite a lot. And I loved it. I, um, <clears throat> it only became apparent to me that I had a problem when I would... Go to the bar, order a round of drinks, but have a vodka or two at the bar before I took the drinks back. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I never saw that. I used to love doing that. Yeah. So I feel now like I'm a little won. bit more upper than everybody else. I feel like I've won. Yeah. I don't know what game I was playing because it was me that was like pissing myself in the cab yeah. on the way home, having 50 quid Uber charged. Yeah. But I won because I had a sneaky drink that no one heard about. Yeah, madness, isn't it? What game am I playing with? Like, no, no one even knows you're playing a game <laughs> right yourself. now. This is not Monopoly. Don't cross, <laughs> don't cross guard and do not click two thousand pounds. What would you say to people who are deliberating or like are, are worrying that they might have a problem? Or someone said to me when I was really early in, mm. it's better to be in the room unsure if you've wow. got a problem yeah. than outside of the room testing whether you have or not. Fucking hell, that's powerful, isn't it? That's so true. Yeah. If you think that you've got a problem, you've probably got a fucking yeah, problem. That's what I think. If you're looking at potential yeah. solutions or... If you think, oh, I yeah. can't actually stop when I start, yeah. you've got a problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, for me, and I say this a lot when I share because I love it, because someone said it to me again in my early days, if your kitchen was on fire, mm. would you wait for the whole house to burn down? No. Wow. no. You would get out and yeah. you would put the fire out. Yeah. And that's what addiction is. Yeah. It's a progressive illness. Yeah. You can see cracks happening mm. in your drinking in your using if you're struggling to enjoy life mm. without it yeah. if you can't go to a social event and enjoy yourself as yourself yeah. without a substance mm. give it up yeah. see what happens yeah. the pub will always be there your the, dealer will yeah. always be there and if that's, he isn't there'll be a new one on the street corner yeah. in 10 minutes that's what i love someone said to me like just give it a year yeah. And if you still want to go back out and, and yeah. try again and have another go, you know, it will yeah. still be waiting for you. But after that year, there's very scant chance that you're going to want to go back to it, you know? This is why I don't really like dry January and Stoptober, mm. mm. because the first month is hell. Yeah. The first month, yeah. I just cried and yeah. slept. I don't even remember my first 30, 60, 90 yeah. days, I don't think. Just so if that's what someone's judging it on... Yeah. No wonder you want to go and have a fucking drink. <laughs> yeah, no process. Yeah, no process. No sort of emotional. Like sobriety, if you're just, really gonna stop, I yeah. would say the minimum is six months. Yeah. Minimum. Yeah. But really, give it a full year. Yeah. You know, even if it's 
whether it's you're wanting to improve your fitness, mm. whether you want to improve your mental health, whether you want to improve, improve your sleep. Mm. You know, there's many reasons why alcohol and drugs should be removed from, you know, our body's not meant to have it no, at the end of the day. No. But just because you're going sober doesn't mean you're an addict, doesn't no. mean you're an alcoholic, no. but it's okay in this world to say, I don't like the effects of that. Yeah. You know, if you was allergic to something, like gluten, you wouldn't go, oh, I'll, I'll have the pizza every time I go out because no. everyone else is having pizza. Yeah. No. Mad, isn't it? I could never understand that allergy inside me until my, like, my sponsor said, if you ate strawberries and every time you had one, your fucking eyeball popped out, you probably wouldn't eat strawberries. No. It's the same. I probably wouldn't have still tried to eat strawberry. Yeah, I would have definitely eaten it. I wouldn't have fucking grown back Too panicked. <laughs> <laughs> Are um, they organic? <laughs> but it's true because I can't see what's going on inside of me. I don't know what's going on, you know? Yeah, but I think a lot of the time we're too scared to look. To, yeah, to accept it. Yeah, or to, yeah, even you to know, have a look. That anxiety the yeah. next morning after a session. Oh, that, that feeling on your skin. You know, I can remember once I ruined Christmas and it was... No, I was going to say it was the last Christmas where I get sober, but I wasn't. It wasn't. I had another year after that that I ruined. But this particular Christmas, my mum had COVID. It was in like lockdown mm. times. And my brother's not a big drinker. My mum normally does like a drink, but she knows when to stop. She's not got a problem. And she wasn't drinking because obviously she had COVID. She was really unwell with it. And that selfish behaviour, I just took it as there was more drink for me. Yeah. I got absolutely paralytic. And I didn't get out of bed until the 28th of December. And I came out of my room and that's when I said I'm moving to Colchester. That was the best thinking, yeah. Because I couldn't work out what I'd done. No. So I thought, well, I know I won't do anymore if I don't live here. Yeah. Because I didn't want to upset my mum. Do you know what I mean? I didn't want to disappoint her. I didn't want her to worry about me. As much as I was being selfish, as much as I was, you know, just ill. Now, you know, I was very unwell. I didn't intentionally, when I was sober, want to hurt people. No. So I would remove myself from people that I truly cared about and isolate myself to save them the day, yeah. yeah. That's fucking sad, isn't it? Yeah. Sad way to look at things. Yeah. Mm. You know, I thought I was being a good person by just knowing that I wanted to carry on using, I wanted to carry on drinking. Mm. And I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be judged for it, you know, but I also didn't want, I didn't want the, I didn't want to get in trouble, mm. you know, I mean, I was like 23, 24 at this time, and I was like, oh, my mum will tell me off. I was living in her house, she got the yeah, right to tell me off. Yeah, but, you know, Just not nice I didn't want more consequences. Yeah. That's what I didn't yeah, want. Trying to I didn't want consequences. more consequences. Mad, isn't it? Are we trying to manage the consequences yeah. rather than do something to prevent them in yeah. the first place? You know? I never, ever put the two and two together. No, I didn't. For years, I never, ever thought that alcohol was my problem. I mean, I've, I've been in therapy since I was 11. I've had different therapists. I've had child therapies, I've had adult therapies, I've had private therapies, I've had NHS therapies, wow. I've done crystals, I've been spirit, I've done everything yeah. you could possibly think yeah, of. I, did. I tried. Because I didn't want to give up the drink. Yeah, I tried. I went to hypnosis once to, on the pretense that I wanted to give up smoking, and I just thought, I'll just apply this to gear and I'll, and I'll walk out and not do gear anymore, you know? It did not work. <laughs> did you stop smoking? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. But this, but it's this, crazy. this is it, the, the lengths we go to to yeah. avoid actually having a look at myself. Yeah, but you know? I do think that, you know, the society we live in, like I said earlier, there is a lot of pressure no. to have a good time drinking. Yeah, yeah, of course. And it's there's a lot of pressure to be able to just have one or two. Mm. 
you know, you never see on these alcohol adverts people out their nut at a kebab shop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That'd be an amazing advert. If someone just spewing on the can floor. Can you imagine? Ugh. Like if they showed an advert <laughs> of what it's actually like. Yeah. like if you drink Captain Morgan, oh, so you're gonna end up shitting yourself <laughs> on the curb. <laughs> Reset as well, do you know what I mean? Like, we can just, we, we are resilient, don't we? Yeah. Even in addiction, do you know what I mean? Like, you think I can't go on no more. And a yeah. couple of days later, oh, I'm back and I'm feeling, yeah. you know, I could never fathom that. How I'd be absolutely fucked, and I think, how have I, why have I done this? How have I done this? I'm never going to do this again. And by 12 o'clock the next day, I think, you know, I feel alright. Yeah, but it's that letting go of it, isn't it? Not, mm. Sometimes we do just feel emotions, and there's, oh, no, there's no reason for <laughs> I've it. I cried this morning, yeah. a lot. But you know? that's okay. Of course. I can you know, do that I think today. for so long we were scared of negative emotions, yeah. whereas now I kind of welcome them like an old friend because I realise that I have to cry yeah. in order to let go of whatever it is that I'm clinging on to. Yeah. Whatever isn't serving me, when I cry about it, I'm letting yeah. I'm letting go yeah. a little no. bit, you yeah. know. But from you know, from my family's perspective, they're just so glad that I'm still here. Mm. You know, especially after losing my son, I was really unwell and they mm. thought me and my son would die. So the fact that I'm still here mm. and I'm still sober, yeah. 
you know, my mum's like, I just don't know how you're doing it. Like, I don't mm. know how you get through each day yeah. knowing that, you know, like, like I said earlier, my mum hasn't got a problem with drink, but in stressful times, she will have a glass of wine to relax. Mm. Like most people do, yeah, you know, and that's fine. Yeah. You've not got a problem. But she's like, I I completely understand if you would relapse. Yeah. But I'm so glad yeah. you have them. Yeah. Because it only ends one way for me. Yeah. That's you a know? Big one, isn't it? I, I'm, if I go out there, I will end up either killing myself mm. by choice, yeah. drinking myself to the point where it kills me, yeah. or I'll be drunk, get in my car, drive, crash, yeah. kill me, and maybe someone else. Yeah, that would, that would frighten me. There's never, there's never a happy turnaround with no. this illness. No. You know, I'm very lucky that I got off the escalator when I did. Yeah. I didn't lose a house, I didn't lose a job, I didn't lose, you know, that many people. Mm. And those that I did lose, it's no loss. No, you know what I mean? No, no. So, you know, whereas I hear stories of people that have come in when they're a lot earlier, and obviously if you was in and out, you probably, compared to when you first came mm. in to when you got it, mm. the amount that you may have lost. Yeah, oh, I could have, yeah, absolutely. I was 24 when I first came in. I had, it, I had everything yeah. that I always wanted. It wasn't enough no, because of the really. addiction, but, yeah, oh, yeah, you know. That's the and that, and that's what I love to see these days is when you go to the meetings there are a lot more younger people mm. sat in there these days than there used to be you know and I think that's beautiful because I've like got, you said I've like, got a friend that got sober at eighteen wow yeah yeah I know a, a, a young boy who's probably the same person yeah yeah, yeah. he's um yeah the really talented kid as well yeah beautiful though yeah imagine that knowing at that point like, yeah I think he had a good example as well didn't he in his family that meant yeah. he could he had the yeah he had someone else that was <clears> in recovery yeah. that's the beautiful thing about the final step, mm. sharing giving the message, it giving it away. Yeah. You know, because unfortunately, as long as there's alcohol, as long as there's drugs, mm. there's going to be addicts, there's going to be alcoholics. Oh. They're not going to abolish either of them. No. You know, as much as I would love there to be a law that comes in place that you can only buy so many bottles or so many units, mm. but that's not going to happen because no. the alcohol industry makes something like 7.5 billion <sighs> every year. In the, UK, in the UK, in the UK, not wow. not not national, not globally, wow. and it only costs the NHS, I think, some something like ten million oh, wow. to deal with alcohol and drug related illnesses. Oh, that's so cynical, isn't it? So they're never gonna. No, why would they? They're never gonna regulate it. No. They're never gonna admit that it's a problem. No. You know, the amount of people that are suffering this illness, only five percent get into recovery. Yeah, that's another thing I find fascinating. You know, it's just like I would love to live in a world where. Everyone's sober yeah. and everyone works 12 step program. Be yeah, bloody amazing. Have a program, yeah. But all we can do is share the message. Yeah. All we can do is make it okay yeah. to choose this life. I think that's a beautiful point to leave it at, to be mm. honest. Yeah. Would you lead us out in the usual way for the Serenity Prayer? Yeah, of course I will. Thank you for coming as well. Do you know, like, I, um, I have admired you for the minute I saw you, and Thank I think you. that it's so. You speak so eloquently and you're really articulate and I think that it's important that, yeah, we try and reach as many people as mm. we can to let them know that there is a, a new life on offer, do you know what I mean? A yeah. new way of life. It's such a awful illness mm. and if you can get off before it gets to that detrimental, you've lost everything, then get off. Get off. Get off, get help, get honest. Start again. Just hit the reset button. Press play, but press play on a life that you choose, not one that you suffer. Yeah, beautiful. Um, okay, if you want to join in, listeners. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, please join me in the serenity prayer using God as you come to or may come to understand him. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Els. God bless. God bless. <laughs> we'll see you lot on the other side. We may refer to the source by different names. God, a higher power, the Holy Spirit, or perhaps the cosmos. The source is the entire universe.